Good evening and welcome to Lost in the Long Box for Wednesday, March 13th. Um, I'm Randall, one of your hosts. I'm joined by Thomas and Madman. Um, I'm having a little bit of technical difficulties. My mic just tried to kill me, so Madman's going to fix me here real quickly. That's why we pay him the big bucks. Yep, that killer mic right there. Dude, this is like twice that mic has fallen on me. And yep, I think it's got it out for you. It's an inanimate object, but for some reason it hates you. All right, Thomas, how was your weekend? That was pretty good. I can't complain. Um, can't complain. Oh, okay, and cool, we're back. Okay. Um, so over the weekend, Mad Men, Thomas and I went and uh, hit a couple of uh, comic shops up in the Northern Virginia area. Um, so I want to do, go ahead and give a shout-out to Troy David over at Flashback Comics and Toys. Awesome guy. Found out that I actually used to buy from him years ago when he was down here in the Fredericksburg area. Um, really cool guy. We're, we're probably looking at setting up something live, too, for um, Free Comic Book Day on May 4th. So we'll let you guys know when that's coming. But, yeah, if you are in Virginia and you're up in the Woodbridge area, you know, make sure you stop by Flashback Comics there, 3112 PS Business Center Drive in Woodbridge. Um, Troy's a great guy, loves to talk, um, really knows his comics. You know, that was both that place and the other one we went to, um, Tommy. I really love when you go to a comic shop where the guys running it are our are, are age, you know, and for you listeners out there, our age is 40 plus. Um, and they've been in comics since they were teens. They know all the characters. They know all the storylines. They lived you know, it. We, we right. talk about storylines that you guys probably haven't even seen or heard of back when they actually knew how to write a good comic. Nowadays, they, there's very few writers actually know how to do that. And I think they were probably weaned on the books we read growing up. Um, so, yeah, yeah, it's fun to be able to get there and, and talk about the stuff that we read growing up with people in there and they're not like, huh? Right, and have them actually remember when you and, say you know, even know more than you do. So exactly. Yeah. Uh, so if you have a local comic book shop in your town, make sure you go visit it and spend a few hours talking. Because more than likely, the guy running the counter, um, as I always like to say, knows more about comics than I've forgotten. So <laughs> yeah, yeah. Troy seemed to be you know a pretty big encyclopedia of knowledge when it comes to, to comics. Good guy. Good guy. Yeah, he knew his stuff, and he actually hooked me up with a couple of books I was missing. It's funny, Mad Ben. I went up there saying, "Okay, I'm looking for Sensational She-Hulk. I'm looking for some Power Girl, and I also wanted to try and find uh, some issues of Marvel Chillers for t with Tigra." And then I it totally left. I couldn't remember. And as we're standing there talking, one of them, it was either Tommy or Troy, said, "You know, mentioned West Coast Avengers." And suddenly the light bulb went off my head because Tigra was in West Coast Avengers. And I turned on Tommy and says, "That was it." It says West Coast Avengers, Tigra, Marvel Chillers. That's what I'm looking for. And Troy immediately just left behind his counter, went to one of his long boxes, pulled out like one of the ones I needed, and said, "Oh yeah, that'll work." <laughs> and as always, we were both looking for Patsy Walker '95, but to no avail, as always. Uh, so I also hit up a couple of really nice antique shops. Uh, Monday, and I, I showed you what I pulled out of that, and wait for Enos to get here to uh, show him those. Yeah, make sure but you get those up on the uh, Facebook page. That's I will. I'll, I'll have to do that. But what was funny is I was telling my wife that uh, I didn't find any Patsy Walker 95 in all those boxes. She goes, yes, I know you didn't because the whole store would have heard you yelling woo-hoo. <laughs> it's funny because your wife and my wife, both two people that are not in the comics whatsoever, know how much we want Patsy Walker 95. Right. So she's heard that endlessly about me and the Patsy Walker 95 and how I'm willing to sell my soul for it or, or at least a kidney there's plenty of nights when she sees me sitting on my laptop or we're watching tv want, you know and ask me if i'm looking for patsy walker 95 well of course i am what else would i be doing right how, uh, dare, how dare listener tom make fun of you for being 40 plus randy yeah tom looks older than you what's uh and you're older than tom right yeah what is it uh <laughs> my wife's uncle always tells me because he's like 15 years older than me because you have to get here <laughs> <laughs> 
And I'm like, well, what are you trying to imply? <laughs> that if I keep razzing you, I may not? <laughs> Sounds like he may want to murder you. I'm not sure. Okay, okay. So what happened news, uh, news and noteworthy over the weekend? Um, so as of Tuesday, <sighs> Captain Marvel is probably going to pass $500 million, which is putting her quickly on pace for $1 billion. Um, and Thomas, you and I were talking about this, and we'll get to this when we get in-depth on the review. The telling sign is going to be whether it drops off this weekend. Most movies do really good the first weekend. It's the second one is when you can tell if it has any longevity or not. Yeah. So, But they did say that um, domestically it's probably going to pass uh, Wonder Woman, Hunger Games, and around $448 million. Uh, but again, depending on what happens, it, just like Thor Ragnarok, it might stall out in the three hundred million range. So, the thing is, though, that Thor Ragnarok grew on me. I don't think that movie's going to grow on me. Yeah, uh, Thor Ragnarok at first is kind of like, oh God, well, he just went for straight comedy. Yeah. But then you're like, but you know what? It, it's it's working in the situation because he's in a comedic situation. Where I it's enjoyed like, it. Well, you know, I can't believe I'm I'm being sold as you know. Basically, Conan the Barbarian, you know, in space yeah. for battle. Yeah, know. I have to say, when I saw, saw Thor Ragnarok and they were on the, uh, the 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 Gladiator planet, and there was a picture of Beta Ray Bill. That made the did. whole movie for you. That didn't? made the whole movie for me. It, it, <laughs> Little it Easter me, eggs. It gave me high hopes that maybe Bill will show I, up. Well, I remember when I saw the movie because this was before we were doing a podcast, and it was when our little our pl- role playing group went that Thursday night, and he wasn't in on the circle yet with our with us. And uh, I the next day at work, I'm sitting there, I am in him. You're going to like Thor Ragnarok. There's a scene in there you've been waiting for all these <laughs> And I knew exactly what he meant. But, you know, the one thing that did take me back a little bit is when in the m- most recent Infinity War when uh, he got Stormbreaker. I was like, no, that's Bill's weapon. <laughs> well, so other news, too, and I actually kind of like this one. I thought this was a pretty cool touch. So, you know, Batman is celebrating his 80th birthday this year, you know, Detective 1000, what have you. So apparently Warner Brothers is going to be doing a special theatrical release in IMAX 70mm format of the Dark Knight Trilogy. So all three of them. Uh, Unfortunately, it is only going to be in five cities. The very first one is going to be in Los Angeles on March 30th. And that one is actually also going to have a Q&A with Christopher Nolan at the showing. So I don't know if it's going to be before or after, but that ought to be pretty good. And then it's moving on. It's going to... So listeners, if you were in any of these five towns, this is going to be a single one-day event. So you're in for the long haul because they're going to be showing you Batman Begins, Dark Knight, and then Dark Knight uh, Rises. But so Los Angeles on March 30th. And then it's going to be at the AMC Lincoln Square in New York on April 13th. And then it's going to be in the AMC Metreon in San Francisco. I like how it's going right back to California. That kind of blows. And then it's going to be in the Cinesphere Ontario Place in, on, in Toronto. And then it's going to wrap up at the IMAX Theater at the Indiana State Museum in Indianapolis. So if you're in one of those five towns, get your happy self on out there. Catch all three of them in IMAX. That, oh, you know, I would love to see those in IMAX. Yeah, yeah. Especially Dark Knight. Yeah. I would like to see Batman Begins myself, especially when he drops down from the balcony. Oh, yes, that scene and, and all the bats are flying behind. Yeah. Oh, that was excellent. Good evening, folks. This is Ina. Sorry, I'm late. Traffic, it was, must have been Friday today on uh, <laughs> coming, coming through. But I'm here and glad to be here, guys. Awesome sauce. Uh, other, so, Enos, I'm just going down to some of the noteworthy news items that I read uh, the other day. Um, I like this one. Is this, I guess his last name is Feige, Feige Kevin Feige from Marvel Fe- Productions. Feige. Feige, Feige. He said, don't rule out a secret invasion for the next phase of MCU. 
And given what we saw in Captain Marvel, which we will be talking about later, listeners, um, I really, really hope we're going to get Secret Invasion. For me, that'll be worth the entire <clears throat> disaster, mm-hmm. I guess we should say, of, of the last <laughs> movie if you're bringing in Secret Invasion. Um, also, this, and I'm almost tempted to get Disney Plus just for this alone, they're going to be doing an animated series of What If. I saw oh, that. Oh, no. Yes. Oh, wow. Now, you and I both know that was one, I think it's safe to say, that was one of our favorites uh, back in the day. My favorite one was uh, when Thor and Conan met. Yes. I was a big fan of what if Wolverine became Lord of the Vampires. I just Oh yeah. How about did, did you get the one what if uh Wolverine had actually killed the Hulk? I did not read that one, but I know There's it was a there. Marvel just re-released that in trade paperback. Like last month I got the uh trade paperback number one what if collection. Oh snap. Um so yeah. I don't I thought you knew that was out. I'll have to bring it in next week to show it to you. Okay. Uh, well, well you got one you got one up on me. Yeah, it's well. I, I saw it advertised, and I was like, "Oh, I am so getting this." And I didn't know that's actually the second time they've already released. Great book, by the way. Um, Enos is over here showing up, showing me the Mister Miracle trade paperback. But anywho, uh, one of my favorites on that one was I want to say issue eighteen or nineteen, and it was the one that we were all waiting for at that time. Was uh, what if Spider Man had stopped the robber that killed Uncle Ben? Right, right. And had a career in show business. That was a great one. But anyway, so yeah, we're going to be getting an animated um, What If on Disney Plus. I'm thinking, hmm, that, that ought to be really good. But my only fear is that because it is on Disney Plus, they might kid it up a little. Yeah. Um, and, and some of those stories were not for kids. Oh, yeah. Especially yeah. the one, where, you know, what if Sue Richards actually married Namor and, and left the Fantastic Four? Because that's a two-parter. Mm-hmm. They do that in one story. I think it's actually the very first issue, the what if Spider-Man actually joined Fantastic Four. It was. And, 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 and Sue the, uh, leaves him and marries Namor, mm-hmm. and there's a follow-up to that later. So, yeah, that actually ends up becoming a two-parter story. Um, also, Disney announced that the acquisition of Fox will become effective. Now, get this. At 12.02 a.m. Eastern Time on March 20th. That's next week. That's next week. So everybody was wondering, was that going to be final? And that's it. So, And I would be willing to bet that there are probably scripts and plans for how do we bring in X-Men and Fantastic Four just sitting on a table somewhere waiting for the announcement to be done. Let's hope so. All right. So that's. uh, did you guys see anything over the last week that you made you go, huh, scratch your heads that I want to mention this? Captain Marvel. (laughs) <laughs> get in there, Madman. Madman's impatient. Hey, Madman, you are not the only one. <laughs> because Randy, Randy and I um, communicated over this weekend about it, and I have been literally a pot of Chomping stew. at the bit. <laughs> um, I got some interesting news. Um, probably one of the most underrated character actors is has become part of the Titan series on DC Universe. Okay. Esai Morales. Who portrayed uh, yes. um, Lou Diamond Phillips's brother, brother in, in La, La Bamba. Bamba is now Deathstroke. Really? I don't see it. I got to be honest. I don't see it. I'm gonna tell you. Looking at this picture here. Okay. And well, well now and, and 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 just and I can just see. I'd rather being that. Um. Oh yes. Um. Like I guess this is combined. Um, and for those of you who don't know, Arrow is coming to an end. Yes, I actually read that. I think we mentioned that last week on the show, didn't we? Arrow's ending after season eight. Yes. And I've been being that, and the reason why I brought that up again is because Manu Bennett, 
who was excellent as Slade Wilson, Deathstroke, and Arrow. I thought he would have picked up since it's the same company and went to Titans. Apparently yeah. is not, and I can't, and I'm going to be honest with you, Esai Morales looks pretty doggone good, and he can play that malevolent type character. The guy can play damn near anybody. And like I said, he's one of the most underrated character actors out there. So that's going to be very interesting to see. And he was also, who's got internet? I forgot to hook up to the Wi-Fi tonight. Um, go to IMDB and pull him up. He was on a TV show, and I want to say... It was one of those post-apocalyptic type of shows on, on ABC or CBS, and he was really good in that. What What's his name again? Esai Morales. E-S-A-I and then M-O-R-A-L-E-S. Because I remember when he was on the show, I actually went, damn, that's Richie Valens' brother. Yep. <laughs> and my wife went, what? <laughs> so, yeah. Uh, also, while Madman is looking that up, uh, new releases that came out this week. A um, couple that I noted that were uh, pretty noteworthy because, again, I always like to make sure I mention ones that are jumping on points or number ones. From Dark Horse, Calamity Kate number one came out. And I was like, Calamity Kate number one. And then I went and looked it up. And the description is that Katie Strand reboots her destructive life and moves to L.A. to be the superhero she always wanted to be. And so Calamity Kate's a gun-toting monster killer. So this sounds... Jericho. Jericho, that's it. Boom. Yes, he was in Jericho. Esai Morales, going back to that story, was in Jericho. Because he played like the, um, the army sergeant that comes over to take control of the town because it was one of the few areas that didn't get bombed. Right. Yes. And he was most recently in, the, in last year's quote-unquote updating of the classic film Superfly. Wow. I didn't even know that, w that was an updated. <laughs> it wasn't. And it, it was okay but it just did not have the impact that uh, Ron O'Neill's version, that the original did. Plus, I'm sorry, but if you're going to do Superfly, you've got to have the Curtis Mayfield soundtrack to accompany it because that is what made the movie, and they, did, they only played a couple of songs. Well, i, I got to be honest. I didn't never know there was a movie Superfly before the remake right. Superfly. Oh, yeah. so when it's, it's Kate My Radar. So, yeah, so anyway, Calamity Kate almost looks like it's a mix between Buffy the Vampire Hunter and Supernatural and... So issue one of that came out today. Uh, DC Comics, Batman, the Batman Who Laughs, The Grim Knight, number one. I don't know if that's going to be a one-shot or a series to go with the Batman Who Laughs miniseries they're doing now. Uh, my, my problem is, while I like the Batman Who Laughs, and I think it's a great character, I think DC is about to quickly Wolverine the character and that we're going to see way too much, much of him too it. soon. Image Comics, and I actually picked this one up. I haven't read it yet. Um, Assassination number one. And that's not assassination as in there was assassination over in what you call assassin it. Assassin Space Nation. Assassination right. as in a nation of assassins. Um, and the description is the world's former greatest hitman hires 20 best assassins in the world to be his bodyguards. And it even says that it's in the same vein as like Hot Fuzz and Tropic Thunder. So I'm getting the impression this is going to be a bit of a comedy book. So I picked that up just because it looks like it actually might be interesting. Um, Marvel, if you are a fan of their Star Wars books, uh, Star Wars Age of Republic General Grievous number one came out today. So I know a lot of people loved um, General Grievous uh, from uh, 
damn it, which movie was that? Was it? Uh, um, I think it was the well, third not one. Not Phantom Menace. Uh, it was uh, Revenge, Revenge of the, of the Sith. Sith. Was the was the one that he was most yes, prominently in, because, right? Yes, because uh, Obi Wan goes against him. Yeah, he played a big role in the uh, Clone Wars cartoon too. Right, right. Yeah. Which I seem to remember being really upset that you had episodes two and three, but you had the Clone Wars fight out between them as a cartoon. And I'm like, that's a really crappy way to do that. It was a great cartoon, though. Well, a lot of bad decisions first three movies. Yes. Oh, yeah. Making them, for one. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so was there any other new things that came out this week that you guys were like, hey, this is pretty awesome, should take a look at this? I, I can't believe that you missed this, Randy. I mean, this is one we've talked about before, and it's one of your personal favorites. I know that you love this. From IDW, there's going to be a new Transformers number one. Um, looks like yeah. they're going to be starting over again on Cybertron. I think that's one that I'm definitely going to check out. I've got I'm, the same plan for that that I do for Dark I, 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 I don't understand. Yeah, I, <laughs> I, I know how much you're, you're in love with the Transformers car- comics, so I'm kind of surprised you didn't bring that one up. I didn't bring it up because it's poo. No, it's, it's, it's not. <laughs> so, I'll, I'll be checking this out. So anyway, um, I'm going to hand this over to Madman to pay the bills. But before I do... Enos, you, did, you weren't here for this off the air, so I'm going to have to do this on the air and just watch you salivate. So there are a few, as you know, downtown Fredericksburg here. We have a lot of antique stores. Right. And so Monday, my wife and I went looking around at some of the antique stores, and I found two of them that are basically gold mines. I wanted to show you just a stack here. And, I, and trust me, I left the majority of them in the two stores. This is what I brought home Monday. Madman, pay the bill. But long, Lost in the Long Box is sponsored by Danny's Pizza and Subs. Uh, check them out at dannyspeatsandsubs.com. Uh, their address is 10657 Spotsylvania Avenue. You can reach them at 540-898-5008. They are open from Monday to Thursday from 11 a.m. to 9 p.m. On Friday and Saturday, they're open from 11 a.m. to 10 p.m. And on Sundays, they're open from noon to 8 p.m. It's always buy one, get one free pizzas at Danny's Pizza and Subs. Check out dannyspeatsandsubs.com. And I'd like to take a moment to point out that, you know, as soon as Madman saw those comics again for the second time, he kind of lost his breath yeah. a little bit there. Oh, yeah. yeah. So, well, when he saw them for the first time, he saw, he saw the detective on top before Thomas even oh, went yeah. through the stack, and he went, ooh, and he came running across the studio. So yeah. I, mean, I think that's the most excited I think I've ever seen him. And I'm going to tell you, I'm, you got one here with this 425 because it is a Bernie Wrightson Yes, cover. it is. Yes, it is. Bernie Wrightson. Well, also, too... That uh, Superman's pal, Jimmy Olsen, 146, that's a Jack Kirby. Jack Kirby. Story mm-hmm. and art. Um, so that, that FF201 that you're pointing at, I actually own one already. Yeah. But the one I picked up has a hole right there on the spine. Right. Um, and, I, and I told myself just earlier this year that i got to replace that. And I saw it in a box. <laughs> I'm thinking, all yes, right, sir. there's my replacement. <laughs> I got that. Um, I remember buying that when I was 11 years old. I missed 200. Because there was the big promo of doctors. Oh, that doctor. was such a great issue. I found it when I was doing my Air Force tour. I bought it then. I bought a lot of that during the Air Force tour. That was, you know, we should actually talk about that one, just that one story one night with the whole thing with the Red Ghost and Reed Richards getting his stretching powers back and, and right. finding out the, the getting the FF back together. Because the FF had split up like in issue 190. Right. Um, and then how it was all orchestrated by Doom because he was ready for the one final showdown. And, and the way 200 ends, you as a reader actually thought, this is it, man. Doom's done. Yeah. So, all right. Um, we have paid the bill. We are now going to... Um, <laughs> Touch on Captain Marvel, but before we actually talk about the movie, Enos and Thomas are going to give us some character history of Carol Denvers and the moniker Captain Marvel and who she was before that, and you guys take it away. 
Well, as you know, the first Captain Marvel was through Fawcett Comics. Uh, Captain Marvel was Billy Batson, who when he spoke the magic power word, he became the world's mightiest mortal Shazam, which we'll be doing later uh, next month when the Shazam movie comes out. Um, interesting tidbit, though, between, you know, Shazam going, the first Captain Marvel going, and you know the new Captain Marvel coming in. A company called MF Enterprises produced their own Captain Marvel, who was an android. It was a short-lived series that lasted only five issues before Marvel bought basically bought him out for a forty-five hundred dollars settlement, and that wow. <laughs> yep. So yeah, so it wasn't much at all. Um, the next part of Captain Marvel came to us in Marvel Superheroes twelve. It was actually Captain Marvel, um, the the male Cree that came here from. Uh, along with the Jan Rog and his girlfriend Yuna, um, they, they, again that was Captain Marvel, uh, Marvel Superheroes twelve. I can thank Randall for getting me a copy of that. Um, it's one that I had looked for for a long, long time. Uh, Jan Rog was on charge of the force that was coming here to, you know, survey the planet and was in love with Yuna, Marvel's girlfriend, and was sending him on what was supposed to be a suicide mission so that he could basically get with Yuna. Yuna. Um, Yuna. Marvel. Una girl. Una. 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 <laughs> um, next up issue was Mar- Marvel Superheroes 13. That was Captain Marvel's second appearance, and that is the one that gives us Carol Danvers, um, her first appearance. She's an officer of the United States Air Force and a security of a of a restricted military base, where she meets Doctor Walter Lawson, Lawson, the alien hero known as Captain Marvel. Um, we fast forward until Captain Marvel's own series, because that begins in the very next uh, next month in Captain Marvel number one, to issue 18, where Carol Danvers first gets her powers. She's basically caught in an explosion of a Kree device trying to get close to Captain Marvel. Their, their DNA fuses, and she gets some of his powers becoming Miss Marvel. Um, she, she goes through her own series through the 70s. You want to pick up some on that? Yes, indeed. Um, so hold up, I have a question, but, uh-huh. and, and I'm sorry, listeners, because I actually haven't read all the the Marvel superheroes myself. After she gets her powers in Marvel superheroes 13, you said no, she, no, Marvel, she no, Captain Marvel 18. Captain Marvel 18 is where she gets her powers. Do we see her anymore after that uh, issue, and, and anymore in Marvel superheroes, or does she get her powers and then she's gone for a while? I'm to be honest with you, I'm not certain because I'm not that far along in it. Maybe because isn't there a rather large gap between Captain Marvel 18 when she gets infused there, with there the power is, and when she shows up as Miss Marvel? I believe she disappears for a while because she doesn't show up as Miss Marvel till 1977. Right. Okay. And taken from that point, as um, um, Tommy stated, um, this was um, her first appearance after the explosion that, fur- that fused her DNA with Marvel's. And uh, which ushered in her own title, and she wound up having quite a following mm-hmm. because, um, and, and everyone was thinking for a very long time, but they, they alluded to it during her appearance in uh, Marvel Superheroes that she and Marvel were actually an item. And they even tried to impress upon that during uh, the Ms. Marvel stories, but it never came to fruition. It was something I would like to have seen. You know, the, knowing what we know happened to Marvel, that would have been something very interesting to see with with her. That would have made her, it would have solidified her more, I think. But, you know, there, that's neither here nor there. Now, uh, interesting, throughout that time, um, we saw Carol go through some changes. She went through some different, She um, we talk about the book Identity Crisis, Carol has had her share of those over the years. She has went from being Ms. Marvel to Binary to Warbird, back to Ms. Marvel again. 
And then I think it was 2012 or 2013, after a storyline where Marvel reemerged, Marvel reemerged, and um, sacrificed himself again, she um, decided to take the name Captain Marvel to honor his legacy. That happens in Avenging Spider-Man Nine, right? Uh, I know that's a hot. That, book yeah, that, that's the first. That's the first issue that she goes by Captain Marvel. Yeah, right. That's a, like you said, that's a really hot book. At, at one point, I you know it was going for like around seventy five bucks, and I really wish I jumped on. And it was on. It was covered on our episode. Books you need to calm the hell down on. Yeah, <laughs> and no one's calmed the hell down on it. They've gotten more excited about it. And <laughs> also during that period when Carol was going through her um her identity crisis. After Marvel's passing in 1981, a year later in the amazing, I can't remember what number it was, but it was in the Amazing Spider-Man annual, we were introduced to a new Captain Marvel by the name of Monica Rambeau. And we will discuss, um, we will discuss her in the movie, but um, if, if you saw the movie, this was the little girl, and yes, I'm going to give my two cents on that as well. <laughs> and, um, and quite arguably... She wound up having, like Carol, having a great following of her own, and she was so popular that not only did they make her a member of the Avengers, but that she was actually the chairman and the liaison with the federal government during the late 80s. Now, um, Monica Rambeau's um, time as Captain Marvel, um, it lasted um, 11 years. uh, No, 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 no. it lasted 13 years because in 1994, 95, um, they had put out the Cosmic Powers miniseries, and Janice Vell, Marvel's son, was introduced. And the powers that be decided they were going to use, since he was Marvel's offspring, to um, do a series based on him. And this is where we get introduced to the great art of Ed Bennis. I actually tried to get. Jump on board when they introduced uh, Marvel's son in right. that series. Unfortunately, I just I couldn't stay with it. Right, and um, he appeared in in, in in an issue of the Silver Surfer, mm-hmm. and um, then Monica later changed her name out being that you know she respected Marvel's legacy. Um, she changed her name to Photon so that Janice Vale could take the name of take his father's name, and later. Why I don't know, because he was, I I thought he was on his way to being a great character. They decided to make him insane and um, made him made him photon, and uh, Monica became Spectrum. And, oh, and uh, Baron Zemo, don't ask me how he did this, but was able to divide Photon's body up, being that he was pure energy, and put it into the cosmos. Now he's not what you would call dead. Now, I would like to see them bring him, somehow get him reformed and bring him back and have it like where there was this... Uh... Gotcha. See, I didn't know that's what happened to Janice. I mm. thought he was a casualty of either Siege or Extinction Agenda or something like that, no. one of those storylines. No. But his... Um, in, the, in the... When Peter David took over Captain Marvel, he went... He wound up having a uh, uniform... That was reflected. That was kind of like reminiscent of what he wore in Marvel Superheroes number twelve back in nineteen sixty six. Right. So he was a combination of the yellow, of the um, white and green armor, but he had the face like when Marvel used his cosmic awareness. Gotcha. gotcha. And he went insane and became 
too da- he was all too powerful, too dangerous. And so he when he became part of the Thunderbolts and he got to that point where he couldn't be contained, Baron Zemo decided to split his body, his atomic body up and spread it all up through the cosmos. So if it does rejoin, it takes if they do need if it does rejoin or regenerate, it's gonna take a while to do that. So I would love to see to bring him back, see them bring him back, because for all intents and purposes, he was a great character. But but just like with Green Lantern, as you spoke with on the last show, when these characters get to the point where you don't know what to do with them, they get put in these crazy storylines just to sell comic books and just put them to the side. I would like to see somebody come along, bring Janice back, who knows what to do with him, but make him his own character not, and uh, not bring him or have him just be acknowledged as Marvel's son and that's it. And, and coincidentally, another child of Marvel's, Philavel, took over for a while, but she went off, fell in love with Moon Dragon. They doing whatever they're doing. So yeah. <laughs> See, the last time I remember reading Captain Marvel, and this is going to go way back. Enos is probably just going to roll his eyes and go, "Wow," was when him and Rick Jones were a pair because they had some mega bands, and yes. only one of them could be on Earth at one time. He right. had to like clack mm-hmm. the bands to, right. to change places. I'm like, okay, that's trying to make Captain Marvel all 80s and hip. All right, so that is our history of the character. I'm cutting you guys off because we're already got a half an hour into it, right. and we got a movie to talk about. Yes, we do. Boy, we are do. we going to talk about and it. And you know this man. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, Lost in the Longbox crew, along with several other friends, um, went and saw the Captain Marvel movie uh, Thursday night, last week, opening night. Uh, so, by the way, listeners, if you have not seen Captain Marvel, if you haven't figured it out by now, we're going to spoil a lot. So you yeah. might want to either come back at a later date or just keep listening if you don't care. I've actually talked to a couple people at work who said, I don't care, lay it on me. All right, so who wants to actually give the synopsis of the movie, and then we'll get down into, well, I don't want to say the problems, but we'll get down into the shortcomings. I want to go last. We'll talk about what they did good. So basically the whole premise of the movie is we find this character um, who is actually going by the name Veers. And Veers apparently is suffering from amnesia. She doesn't actually know who she is. Um, But she's being trained as a warrior. And uh, she's being trained by Jude Law's character, Jan Vogg. Jan Rog. Jan Rog. Rog. And he's telling her, you know, forget your emotion. You know, don't fight with your heart, fight with your skills, which is ironic because she's not showing any freaking emotion in the first 10 minutes that I watched. She's a hothead? And it it stays that way. Um, But the irony of this is at one point when she gets um, irate during their sparring, she blasts him with, you know, the the Captain Marvel powers. But you don't ever get any indication that anyone else in the Kree have these powers. And because you find out they don't. It just appears to be just her. Well, on one of her missions, uh, they found out that one of the Kree operatives is missing on this planet, and it's because the scrolls have taken over. And we're learning that the scrolls are basically enemies of the Kree. They've been at war for several decades. I think it's one of those things where the war's been going on so long, no one remembers what the war's about type right. of thing. Um, and then I forgot how she got to Earth. I know that during the attack... Um, she was captured by the. She was captured she, by, by, the the scrolls. Scrolls. She was by the scrolls. By the scrolls, and that's how she got to Earth because the scrolls were on their way to Earth. Oh right, they were right. They were on their way to Earth because they were looking for the 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 light speed, light speed drive, drive. The light speed drive that was that's rumored right, exactly. to be there. And that's so when the scrolls capture her, they're convinced that she knows about the light speed drive. And that was the other thing that was kind of weird. How did the scrolls know more about her past than it, even the Creed did? Which. I have no idea. Which, yeah. So anyway, she crash lands on Earth, ends up with Nick Fury, and convinces him that, oh, by the way, I'm a friendly alien. I'm not the bad alien, but of course, in this time frame, 
that the movie's set in 1995. They haven't seen any aliens yet. <laughs> uh, but she manages to convince uh, Samuel Jackson, Nick Fury's character, who has both eyes in this one, um, that she needs to get to find this particular captain that she worked with when she had a life on Earth, and she's slowly getting snippets and pieces of her memory back. Um, yes, I am having memory issues because I was that unimpressed, Madman. <laughs> That's what Tom's saying. He's like, you're messing it up. Yeah. Uh, yeah, she was having. She was so. She, yeah, she was having the memory issues. It, it was coming back to us a little bit at a time throughout the out the movie. Um, let's see. She crash landed on on Earth in a blockbuster video, right? And was able to use some of our technology from a Radio Shack across the street to get back in touch with Ro Jan Robert Rock. and I. So called that what she has to do is any communication yeah. around her. We're Ra both like Radio, Radio Shack. Shack, Radio Shack, right? <laughs> to get back in touch with the with the Cree Empire and send Jan Rog and the uh, and the rest of the Cree to her. Um, let's see. They were go they go after the scrolls thinking that they're they're the bad guys and the scrolls pretty quickly convince them that they're not and that the Kree the, the, the Kree yeah, are one the bad conversation. Guys. One hey, conversation. You thought I'm messing it up. Damn, he's doing worse than me. <laughs> so so yeah, so he so so they, they do that and they go looking for the you know, Marvel's engine. <laughs> well, you you're forgetting the the big reveal that the Air Force uh captain um scientist that was working on this device Lawson. 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 Is actually Wendy Lawson. Is actually Marvell from, from the Cree herself. Chris was actually, yeah, Marvell from the Cree herself was actually Cree herself. I thought we were gonna probably get to that a little later, so I was gonna Oh no. Over that. Well, uh, so so yeah, so so the, the the human scientist was actually a Cree and the Cree scientist found out re realized that the scrolls weren't evil and was trying to help the scrolls get away from the Cree so that the fighting would end. Well remember the the reason I blew the whole thing that Lawson is actually Marvell is because in her memories and what she's seeing is she thinks Lawson's an Earth woman. She doesn't know what her right. tie is to her. Right, she doesn't know what her tie is to her. She just knows that someone really close to her. So, so I'm sorry, where were we now? We, we figured out that, that Lawson was Cree and that Lawson had created the light speed engine and was, was hiding. She goes to visit her old, her old Air her, Force pilot. Her old, friend, friend, her old friend and from Maria the Air Force, Rambo. Maria Rambo, to you know, try to jog her memory. <laughs> and that's where we meet Monica, her daughter. Well, Maria Rambo uh, thought she had died, and then again, right. and this is a scene where all of a sudden this, the, the scrolls show up at her house, right? And and like Madman said, do the five second. We're the good guy. We're not actually bad guys. Oh, okay. And then, <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah, it, it, it was it was just amazing to me, you know, given the history of the scrolls and everything, that everybody believed them so quickly, and especially when they would when they appeared to be the aggressors throughout the entire film, right? And, and you know. I like too when we met the the scroll leader. Uh, what was it, Talos? Is Talos. That how Talos. Talos pronounced the name. You find out that the scroll homeworld is you know in, in right off the southern coast of Australia. So, <laughs> so yeah, but and and uh, we get to where we meet Monica, and you see uh, Carol start s slowly getting everything back. And she gets the colors for her costume from Monica playing around with the band on the uh, on her whatchamacallit, on her on her wrist. Monica's the smartest ten year old girl yeah, right. on the planet. Yeah. yeah. Right. Yeah. Well, there's a reason for that, which we'll get to. And uh and then uh, Carol goes back, fights Jan Rog, figures out that there is a uh something on her neck that's holding her back. She pulls it off, and then next thing, she's all super powerful. Op, yeah. op, yeah. 
<laughs> yeah, you know me. Anyway, so I, was, I was about to get an OBB. You know me. <laughs> oh my! God. I don't think Thomas got that reference. Uh, I got it. Uh, okay. uh, Naughty by nature. And guys, I'm not gonna lie to you. I was like sitting in the movie waiting. Get to the point. <laughs> Come on, you are dragging this out. Okay, when are we going to get to the meat of this? Right. And I'm going to give my spiel on this later. But uh, and for she, um, Carol gets gets goes op, zaps Yon Raw to get back to Earth. They fight, and she jacks up the darn um, soups up the rocket and sends him back to to the Supreme Intelligence. And all that good kind of stuff, and then... Well, she basically tells John Rock, you tell the Supreme Intelligence that I'm coming. I'm coming. And you're just like, right, one woman is going to take down the entire freaking Kree Empire. Right. Well, uh, she pretty much close to that. And she pretty so. much could. So, um, and I know Madman's going to agree with me on this. When she takes off the little inhibitor out of her, out of her neck, and suddenly she's all-powerful... There's a scene after she's defeated Yonrog and she's gone up and she's found the crawl ship. Oh, scroll ship. <laughs> yeah. By the way, listeners, um, there's a big change premise on the scrolls, which we're going to get to in a moment. But when she's sitting there in space, floating outside the, the viewport of the ship, and she's literally doing, and I'm not kidding, the Superman pose with both arms and one leg slightly kicked up. Yep. I thought to myself, just put a freaking red cape on her already. Right. Because that's exactly the feeling I got. This was Superwoman floating e in space. Exactly. And also, <laughs> we see an appearance of Ronan the Accuser. Yeah. Yes. From uh, Guardians. From Guardians, which which surprisingly was one of the best parts of the right, doggone exactly. movie because he was one of the he the, was one of the good things about Guardians of the Galaxy too. He just didn't have all that black stuff around his lips yeah. like he did. But well, and uh, and he was like, he was and, and and what was funny to me was like when she did that Superman esque type pose, he was like. So, well, he, he, he didn't care. It didn't. It didn't bug him. Not one. And he wasn't threatened. He just said, uh, "I can't remember." He said, "Go get the woman. We'll, we'll, we'll get the woman, or something like that." And just like went on about their business. Well, two things impressed me about this. Number one is apparently there was a whole race of whatever Ronin is, and all, and then Guardians, all you ever see is him. Right. So at one point, there's a race of these beings. Or the accusers, they call and them. Uh, the the accusers. accusers. And then yeah. number two, after she has wiped out Yon-Vog and Yon-Rog and all the other Kree, and basically has made it clear the fight is over, Ronin's like, not my fight anymore, turn around, go home. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's, yep. it's, it's like he was unimpressed with the display and it's like, you know, I ain't got nothing to win or lose by this. Let's get the hell out of right. here. Yeah, she turned back the entire Kree fleet that was there to, you know, basically mow down the earth because right. the scrolls were on it by herself. So, uh, Madman, I know you want to start ripping into this, and you've been patiently waiting. Well, to be honest, I kind of blew my wad on a... <laughs> Um, yesterday's show at Shock Monkey Radio. Shock I mean, that's why I didn't listen to it because I knew if I'd be listening, I'd be like, "Slave stuff from LLB." <laughs> <laughs> so I mean, I put, you know, I, I, I mentioned it in the podcast. I even clipped that bit and uh, put it up on my YouTube channel, so you can go look at the Mad Mad I, Lowercase. But I mean, I, was, I have a lot of issues with it, and uh, a lot of issues. Well, I tell you, the two big ones for me that were just head head shaking nopes. Number one. Now, don't get me wrong. I'm not some type of, you know, heartless bastard that doesn't love animals because animals are cute. I love animals. I love cats. I love dogs. I love monkeys, squirrels. If it's a cute animal, I'm behind it. 
But when I saw Goose, I said, this is going to be another Groot. This is going to be another Groot. This is going to be another... And that's all I thought the entire movie until the Groot moment came. Yeah. And yep. everybody's like, ha, 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 and they're clapping their hands. And I'm like, you know, I'm surprised a cat didn't go, I am Goose. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. And see, I, th- I liked Goose. I, I, I enjoyed the Goose throughout the movie. I, I did. You probably were the only one. I, I liked it when it was Goose, but when the whole... When, 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 when all of a sudden the tentacles... Changed, oh, I'm come like, on. You okay, can't tell me you didn't like the end scene when he, when he hacked up the Tesseract. And that, no, oh, oh, and that's oh, another oh, yeah, point. Oh, yeah. That was a stupid end credit. Why did that I was stick funny. around for that? Come on, and, that and, was and, funny. Okay, but, yeah. But, 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 no, I see your point, because it, 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 it just... It was a visual to the question, okay, how in the hell did they get their hands on the Tesseract before Loki and them did? Well, yeah, he acted up like it was a hairball. It was yeah. great. Well, well here's, the, here's my thing. How did he get from Howard Stark? And, and, and I had this argument with someone on Facebook. He goes, oh, well, it was cute because, you know, you get to see him yakking up. I'm like, okay, are how you so How is a cat stupid? hacking up a hairball don't, ever cute? You don't realize. In reality, it's not. It's that, nuts. Nasty you know they get the cue back because you freaking see it in Captain America. Uh-huh. I didn't need to see the cat yak it up to know this. Exactly. and and I and, thought it was funny. And then you're like, okay, what, what happened to it from there where it got to 1995? Well, No. I, I wanted, yeah, exactly, because after Stark takes it in Captain America, remember, after right. Captain America's ship goes down, how does it end up with this project that Marvel was working yeah, on? How did Marvel get, get Which means it had to be funded by Stark. Exactly. Didn't think was, about that, did you? <laughs> and look, could I ask y'all a question? Was I the only one who thought Brie Lawson was trying to act like Robert Downey Jr.? Oh my God! Now I see it. <laughs> I, I don't think I don't think she was acting. And was she acting? Ooh! <laughs> I mean, I'm sorry. I just was she's like, like vanilla, man. I couldn't get a read on that girl. And, and it was like, okay, you are not Robert Downey Jr. You're not a smart ass. You're not. You're not a scene stealer. It, it, it's it's. I'm gonna be completely honest with you guys. Maria Rambo was more interesting. Yes, she was. Maria yes, she was. and Monica Rambo were more interesting characters than than Carol was. And I'm gonna say this: my, in my opinion, this was Marvel's attempt to force feed us a strong, their strong female hero. Well, now, hang on there. Don't get all the feminists pissed off. Oh, 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 no, no, and, 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 and I'm going to explain why. Because the reason why I say it was force fed, you look at Wonder Woman and you look at Captain Marvel. When you watch Wonder Woman, you saw her story. You, you rooted for her. You liked her. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You wanted to see her kick some butt. Oh, yeah. I'm sorry, but Carol is better in the comics than she was in this movie. Oh, absolutely. She was, I'm sorry, she was frigid. She yeah. had no compassion. She didn't, and, uh, and, it, and she really didn't even show any to little Monica. Not really. Yeah. No, no. Not really, and if there was anyone that you could have shown any compassion or, or, or any, what is the word that I'm looking for? Empathy. 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 Yeah. 
it would have been to this little girl who who's calling freaking, you who's calling you Anna Kara and who is freaking idolizes you and 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 it's like eh. she was acting like yeah I know yeah that's cool whatever she she played she was entirely too detached in the movie yeah and, totally and and I feel that there was there were some scenes that that should have had more emotion in them. Right. For one, finding Maria and Monica should have been a happy, joyous moment. She should have been crying and hugging. And or at was... least when she realizes the, realizes, the past. Realizes right. that, that, and you know, especially after, I mean, Maria didn't cry, but you could tell that she was genuinely Feeling happy. Something. She, she felt, felt something. Yeah, she was right. glad that her best friend was alive. Carol, the way Brie Larson played her, she was like, she was just so rigid and so stoic. She had yep. no, she had nothing that made you like her. And even Coulson and Agent Coulson in this was just there so that we knew he was there. Yeah, yeah. that he was still yeah. with shit. That he was shield from the beginning. He just stop stop by the scene and wave right. at us. And then, exactly, and it, he was just there. And and I, another thing too, when you brought it, you were talking about this character earlier, and I read an article somewhere about this earlier this week, which I don't know if I'm excited about this or not. But remember, this took place in 1995. How old is Monica Rambeau in this movie? Seven, eight, maybe nine, ten? I, yeah. I would give it the most ten. That puts her in perfect position to be, what, 30 in mm -hmm. present day? Mm -hmm. So they're saying, are we going to get a Monica Rambeau photon or even her version of Captain Marvel in the next MCU phase after Endgame? I would imagine. Possibly. I would love to see it. And, probably, and, and uh, being that I think between the two ladies, I'm biased because Monica... Monica was was such a great character, and I don't gravitate towards a female character because they're female. You got to give me something to make me want to follow you, to make me want to read you. She was a leader. She commanded respect. She was fine as hell, <laughs> and, and and but 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 she had that hu that heroic. Persona, that humility—that's the word that I'm looking for. Huge. You saw <laughs> Carol Danvers. This—I don't know what the hell Brie Larson was doing, but there was no humility no, no, whatsoever. whatsoever. She was like, "Yeah, I'm all powerful." What? So here's what I think about about the whole thing. I am a fan of Captain Marvel, the Carol, the, the Carol Danvers version. Oh, I, buy, yeah. I, I buy the comic. I have her first appearance, Marvel Superheroes 13. Found it last year at a great price. Randy saw me. I about jumped out of my skin with happiness when I found it. I also do like Brie Larson and was happy with the casting job when they initially told me, said that they were. To the point that my wife jokingly said, do I have to worry about Brie Larson? Because I was talking <laughs> about it so much. This was definitely not her best role. I don't know if it was just the way, you know, that I guess it was just the way that she was written. It could have been a script, yeah. And, yeah, it, and it the material she had to work with. Yes. I, I, I did like her inner, she did have some good one-liners. She did make, you know, some funny comments here and there. But even those felt wooden But even me. when but, she did those, she was dry. But yeah, I, fe I, felt, dry. I felt the interaction between her and Fury was good, though. I liked the way the two of them interacted with each other. That's true. That was you know, I, I, that thought, I thought good. They, I thought her and Samuel L. Jackson had really good chemistry together. Yeah, they did. I, I they did. did. They, they, you know, so it, it's definitely something to build and, on. And I will say, now that you mention it, it seems like the only time she really softened up was whenever around she Fury. was around him. Right. Yeah, it, you know, you know, those two worked really well together with that. And you know, if, if you know, when there is a, a second Captain Marvel movie, and I'm sure there's got to be because this is making money, you know, they definitely need to bring him back in because it was so good with them together. Right. So, 
I love the scene when, what did he use to break into the one door? Um, oh, the, you mean the, uh, the, the piece of tape over the fingerprint? He took a piece of scotch yeah, tape. Yeah, and he goes, and then she goes to the next door and just like blasts it off. And, and you could have done that you, all you that. You let me sit here and play around with tape. tape. And <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I mean, yeah that, that was good. good. Well, but, this movie proved beyond a shadow of a doubt why Samuel Jackson is one of the greatest actors of the 21st century. Right. The guy Absolutely. can do any damn thing. But yeah. Yeah, well, I'll tell great. you my so here's my two problems. Uh, my other two problems are I guess I have a whole crap ton of problems. Um, and this one just I, I'm sorry, this one just really sticks in my craw. I don't like the scrolls being the oppressed race and being no, wiped up by the Kree and no, our homeworld's gone and we're actually innocent. People, in case you don't know this, in the comics, the scroll are every as bit an aggressor as they, the Kree race. They didn't. Yeah. They didn't start out that way. No. They, no. they. They. They were. They were. You know, a, more of a passive race until. And I'm going to until the Kree came until along. And war. I'm going to argue that because in Fantastic Four number two, they are already aggressors oh, and trying to take yeah. over the. They planet. were in Fantastic Four two, but when they reestablished them later, they you know well and actually okay well let, let's take a step back. You're right. They did come to that, but it, but it, you have to go back earlier than when they were there when they first met the Kree. It was the Kree and the Kotati on the same planet okay. together, and they were they were coexisting. Right. And the Kree gave technology to both the Kotati and put them on one planet, and then they put the Kree on the blue side of the moon. They were trying to judge which race they would bring up with the extra technology to bring into the to bring up to speed with them and to join their trade federation. Right. So the whole thing that made Scrolls Aggressors takes place when decades before Fantastic Long before four Fantastic number, Four okay. number two. Right. So they when they came back to judge, they judged the Kotati and the garden that they made better than the blue area of the moon that the Cree made si- the city and the Cree basically flipped out and attacked them and stole technology and you know made it as their own and attacked the scrolls starting the war. Okay. That's when the that's when the scrolls became a and, warlike. And you know race. what? That's that's fine. But in the movie, we don't even get that. No, we don't. We don't get any of that. Right. And we get just that they're an innocent race being destroyed and enslaved by the Kree. And yeah, by this the oppressive time, Kree. And by right. this time, when the war is going on, like you said, the Skrull were every bit as bad as as the Kree. Oh yeah. But they did not in the comics. They did not start out that way. They were a more more passive race. Uh, here's the thing about that. I think is that um, I, the whole Kree Skrull war. I think it was a big metaphor about how war changes societies, and that right. these these right. two societies exactly. have been. Uh, at war for so long. And they've that, been altered. Yeah, that they have been altered because of it. Right. And I think that's kind of the metaphor of that. And when you take that away from that in the movie like you did, I think you kind of uh, limit it. It's not, right. just, it's not just an oppression. It's war and how war changes cultures. Well, yeah, and, and, you know, and that's one of those things, too. There's so much that with, with the, you know, the Kree and the scroll and everything like that in the history, it's kind of hard to, to jam it into this movie. True. I mean, you could do a whole series of movies on the Kree Scroll War. Exactly. I mean, that could be a three oh, yeah. that could be a oh, three yeah. movie trilogy oh, on yeah. its own. Yeah. You know, with you know, on its own. So it, it you know, there is that difficulty. But yeah, I I didn't particularly care for that. You know, with the announcement that Secret Invasion could be coming in the next one, I'm not as upset about well, it as well. What Secret I was, Invasion, but... I think, because you're going to have Avengers Endgame, and I think if there's going to be a touch on Secret Invasion then I think it probably would be Captain Marvel 2, mm-hmm. and then they would start building from there. Because I don't know what's on plate after Avengers Endgame. Mm. I, yeah, I don't, I don't know either. I, I mean, imagine Captain Marvel I'm, I'm 2 is coming. A, I'm certain there's a Black Panther 2, but yeah, I can I'm, see, yeah, I can see two, that dealing Doctor with the ramifications Strange. from Endgame. And yeah. Doctor Strange 2. Yeah. You know, Captain Marvel 2, I would imagine someone's going to take over the role of Captain America. I'm not sure... 
whether it's going to be uh, Sebastian Stan. Sebastian, gonna be the it, it, you think it is going to be? You think it's going to be him and not Probably. and not Falcon? Chris, well, no. oh, I mean, wow. there had there was that time in the comics when Falcon took over. That, that's America. what I'm saying. You know, could it? Could, I mean, I, I think they've signed Sebastian Stan on for quite a lengthy time, so I'm, yeah. I'm betting it's going to be him. But I'm, I'd be okay with Falcon too. I, I'm. My money is on seeing Sebastian Stan evolve into that role because everybody is waiting I for Bucky to take. I over. wouldn't be oh, mad. Exactly. I wouldn't be mad at either one. I mean, oh, yeah. I wouldn't oh, be yeah. mad at either one. I'm both, both of them. Both of them could do it. Oh, no, you no know problem. what? That's I forgot. There's a Black Widow movie coming, so they might try to be shoehorning that in for 2020. I'm Who? thinking. I'm thinking that one's probably going to be a, a Blu-ray for me. I'm, right. Yeah, well, I don't think well, I'm Black in, Widow. Yeah, I don't think I'm as interested. I mean, you know, if, if, if Scarlett Johansson's not in it, yeah. Well, she is going to be. Well, in she's it. Not, no. Well, no. I think this is going to be an origin story of Black Widow because my understanding is they're trying to cash younger for it because they're going back into Natasha's past. Uh, no, okay. No Scar Joe. I'm not going. Uh, no. Uh, honestly, unless the preview blows me away, I'm not. I'm not as super interested in the Black Widow as a character. Well, I'll, that's, I'll that's be honest. Th- that was my issue of Captain Marvel. The preview never blew me away. No. Well, and 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 that's a, and that's another good point, Randy. That I told folks it was like. I just could not get as excited for this movie for some reason. And the only thing that I was holding on to was the hope that knowing that one, Marvel was in it, and I told one of those knuckleheads on the comic book collecting page <laughs> on Facebook that I told him that I'm just out that I was upset. That they are not that they have replaced they've um that um Jude Law is no longer going to be playing Marvel he's going to be playing Yon Raw well and I will, that I was say, never confirmed that he was playing Marvel though everyone assumed yeah that, everyone assumed it right and he did a great job of Yon Raw I, I oh, thought he, he did. was I, he, uh, yeah, was, just, he, was, he was the save one of the saving graces of this movie yeah, he's a great actor and he did a great job playing Yon Raw and no um that. but um one of the things if I had anything. That I, other than what I've already um, expressed, is that I'm sorry. I, if a character is supposed to, was created to be a certain thing, a certain way, that's the way they need to present it because it shows respect for history. Like it or not, Marvel has been around for 53 years, dead or alive. Now, um, Randy was talking about the last time he read it was when they were going back and forth, um, <laughs> they, they claimed the nega bands when he was merged with Rick Jones. Rick Jones. Coincidentally, in issue number 34, that is what laid the groundwork for Captain Marvel's passing, mm-hmm. that particular issue. Now, Is that the Nitro issue? Yes. Okay. Now, I'm sorry, but... I was I was very angry that they, as much as I love Annette Benning, I'm sorry. Oh. I, I I I just did not agree with them chain, making Marvel a woman. I I was not a fan of that either, but I can kind of understand where they're I coming from. I understand I understood why, they why they did it because it looks better where she was Carol's predecessor, so you had another female hero. That right. was that. That's taking over for another. But another thing that I didn't like about the movie. You mean to tell me you're gonna sit up there and be injured from a crash and one shot you're dead? <laughs> <laughs> they pumped. Not they. Not only 
you know, I I have come to grips with Marvel being a woman. Yeah, okay, I don't like it. I'll go on record as saying it, but I understand why. Yeah, I understand the reasoning. However, which makes it a little bit easier to swallow once I realize the reasoning. However, they completely ignored how great of a hero Marvel was. They made they focused more on making Marvel a scientist than exactly. making him a hero, making her a hero, and the fact that. Boom, you crash, you get out, ow, ooh, ow, ooh, ow, and then Yon Rock shows up, pew, that's the end. <laughs> you die I'm off like, and I'm like, you mean to tell me <laughs> he put up a better fight against cancer than, than uh, and that better wow. did in, uh, than in this movie? I'm sorry. Down boy. <laughs> I'm going to call it the way I see it. We got to fire it up, Enos, right now. I'm about to say, no, I, Enos I'm, has been triggered. Right. Like, <laughs> and I, I'm, I'm, I'm sorry. i got to say this. He, Marvin... Between looking at Marvel going through what he went through in the death of Captain Marvel and seeing how they portrayed Marvel in this movie, he put up a better fight on his back fighting cancer. Exactly. Wow. Woo. Yeah, Man. I said it. I, I will say, okay, so That's I want to say one, right one of my highlights for the movie, and everybody's going to laugh, the actress who played Minerva, uh, Gemma Chan, that was oh, a highlight for man. me. <laughs> I was going to say it because I because I was going I was going to come back to that. I know don't know I, who the hell she was, but brother, she was well, hot. Well, let me tell you what. Have you ever watched a series on BBC Humans about the androids? I don't know. I don't know. I may have. If you watched it, you know her. That's where I recognized her from. Because All I know is for a blue woman, she was. Men, Irva was. I even our buddy Woo! Robert. I even our buddy Robert. I even leaned over to him and says, "Is it bad that I got the hots for the blue Cree?" Man, <laughs> oh my God, she yeah, was yeah. hot. Go ahead and go ahead and pull her up on IMDb. Yeah, I just looked at. She was on a yeah. series called Humans, which was really good. I only watched the first two seasons of yeah. it. Um, but yeah, after you watch season one, you'll just be like, "I'll be in my bunk." Um, <laughs> so, all right. Well, that's a little TMI. So, uh, all right. So, as you can tell, guys, <laughs> we, we were not fans of the movie. Um, we are going to be in a couple weeks reviewing the other Captain Marvel, or should I say, the true Captain Marvel, because um, Shazam <laughs> is opening cheese, in a couple baby. weeks. Um, before we go, do want to remind you that we have um, Lost and Longbox on Facebook. We also have our Gmail, uh, Lost and Longbox at gmail.com. We have our Twitter feed at Lost and Along B1. Uh, our buddy Madman here also has another podcast on Tuesday nights at 6 o'clock, uh, Shock Monkey Radio. Make sure you subscribe and listen to that. Enos, plug your pages. I know you got a couple there. The Realm of Superheroes, Comics, and Pop Culture, and Batman Yesterday, Today, and Forever. Awesome That's stuff. on Facebook, right? Facebook. Yes, they are both on Facebook. And I tell you what, that Batman page is blowing up. Like every other day, there's another four or five members getting added. So thank you guys for uh, oh, listening. Yes. Yeah. yes, indeed. Thank you for uh, joining our those two pages, listening to the podcast. Um, until next time, we're going to be down here wondering, what else can Carol Danvers do with that red sash on her hip? Why, <laughs> Madman? Because we are lost in the long box. Yes, we are. Good night, everyone. Good night, everyone. Good night, everyone.